Welcome to episode 15 of the Strong Habits podcast. I am your host and coach, Penny Varvridis. Hello, how are you? I'm going to assume you're telling me that you're all right. Uh, And I think we're in week three of lockdown. We've all had a lot of ups and downs with the stresses of the outside world and everybody is on a different schedule for each one. And that's okay. We are all humans and humans are entitled to feel all of the things in whatever order it hits them. You are all doing such a wonderful job and I'm so, so proud of you for sticking to your training and sticking to or adapting your goals. You are all very inspirational. Thank you to those of you who joined in with me on Saturday for that little morning sesh. I know some of you may have regretted that decision, (laughs) uh, but I'll probably do another one on Saturday if you fancy it. The weather right now is so wonderful. I've just been sitting in the garden reading studies to answer question one for you and it broke my heart a little to come inside to record this but I knew it was for the greater good and I am all about the greater good you know. So here I am, hopefully you will find this episode really helpful. I have two questions for you this week. So Sarah asked for some PCOS focused advice on how this lack of movement may be impacting things and if there are better food choices over others that she could be making with regards to insulin resistance, etc. In terms of PCOS, the same stuff is true now that has always been true. So your metabolic rate is going to be less than someone of equal size, which means you need fewer calories to maintain weight. This is going to be extra challenging right now in terms of weight loss or even weight maintenance because getting your knee up was a really important method for creating that calorie deficit without having to eat much smaller amounts of food. The problem now is less moving means the calories will also need to come down. Now Sarah has been making a real effort to go for a walk every day and having regular dance parties which is awesome and I can totally get behind. But because of the PCOS movement will need to be even more or calories will need to be less. Or both, probably both. Moving less means that you need to bring the calorie intake down. How you do this will depend on you and your preferences, but finding ways that work for you so you can be consistent is going to be key here. Weight loss has been shown to improve insulin resistance in women with PCOS. So for those of you who don't know, PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome and is the most common endocrine condition in women of reproductive age with a prevalence of 5 to 10%. It's quite common in women who are obese and overweight and interestingly it's also quite prevalent in the athletic community, with women with PCOS often outperforming women without it in a lot of sports. Insulin resistance is defined as an impaired biological reaction to insulin and is thought to play a central role in PCOS. Insulin stimulates a key enzyme in the production of ovarian androgens. Insulin also inhibits the production of sex hormone binding proteins which are made in your liver and this causes causes increased levels of free testosterone. Holding on to too much excess fat tissue further increases insulin resistance. This is a double-edged sword, if you remember my previous point of PCOS being common in obese women. But a 5-10% to weight loss has been found to improve ovulatory function and pregnancy rates, reduce insulin and free testosterone levels in women with PCOS. Blood glucose 
Blood glucose levels are affected by carbohydrate intake and regulate insulin secretion from the pancreas. I found a systematic review from 2014 looking at whether low-carbohydrate diets would be beneficial in terms of lowering insulin levels and subsequently improve alterations in androgens. The review looked at 15 different studies asking the question. Most of the low-carb diets were compared to standard diets, either 395 to 45% carb or less than 20 grams a day versus 55 to 56% or 75 grams of carbs a day. Without an agreed definition of what constitutes low carb, it's a bit hard to compare. But basically, the women in calorie deficits, regardless of carb ratio, saw improvements in insulin resistance and ovulation rate. So that was the abridged version. But let me go into some of the results. One study looking at the effect of exercise found that the exercise group had 9.7% greater ovulation rate compared to the low carb diet group. Decreases in testosterone were seen after two weeks of energy restriction and were sustained during the following period of weight maintenance. Exercise alone led to 45% and 33.4% decrease in free testosterone at week 12 and 14 respectively. The majority of the studies showed no additional effect of low-carb diets compared to standard diets. All the benefits came from being in a deficit and doing some exercise. Now, being stuck at home, movement is less, but you can still do a little something every day. Even if you just do the 10-minute mobility and 10-minute training with me on my Instagram Live every day, that's going to be a good start. But making the most out of the home training program that I've created for you in the app, making the most of your walk. I've also created small daily challenges for you to do, which you can find in the Facebook group if you haven't already. Exercising a minimum of three times a week was associated with improvements in fertility outcomes, reproductive hormones, metabolic factors and satiety hormones. So in this particular instance, those improvements in metabolic factors and satiety hormones are going to be of interest to you. So that's regular exercise and it's going to be helpful. It has so many positive effects on the outcomes that it's a really easy win. Walking up and down the stairs when you're on the phone is a nice way to increase your neat throughout the day. Playing with your wee, dancing while you're waiting for the kettle to boil, adding a little extra loop or length to walk outside, playing some kind of game with your family that involves being up. Menstrual cycles tended to improve more during low-carb diets than low-fat diets, but the sample sizes were too small to be sure. Carbohydrate intake raises blood glucose which is the most potent stimulus of insulin resistance from the beta cells in the pancreas while on a low carb diet insulin and glucose decreased but weight loss was a confounder so that means it's hard to say if it was the low carb or it was the weight loss because in all of the cases where there was weight loss there was improvements some studies found that low carb leads to favorable outcomes, but these results aren't across the board. So it might be worth you just trying for yourself to see if you like it and if it helps. So even though low carb might not make much difference on its own, sometimes people find going low carb is a really easy way to reduce calories and create that calorie deficit without the, the temptation to overeat all of the tasty things because the tasty things are taken out. Sometimes it's helpful to have clear cut rules. So even though the rule isn't, essential and it doesn't mean anything because the principle is the principle having rules that say i am not going to eat this thing or i'm gonna go low carb or whatever it can be helpful because it gives you something to follow and 
if you are going to do that, it's just important to bear in mind that the reason that that's working is because of the principle. So, so long as if you decided that you wanted to do something else, so long as you still maintained your calorie deficit, but you were eating in a different way, or maybe different days meant different things for you, you could continue to make progress. Another important thing to remember is supplementing with inositol, which has been found to be incredibly helpful for women with PCOS. Inositol, like metformin, is an insulin sensitizer and it improves anthropometric parameters in PCOS. A study from 2017 actually found that inositol is as effective as metformin. Because of the massive part insulin resistance plays in PCOS, inositol, diet and movement become the best approach for improving symptoms. So let me recap. Calorie deficit is still super important, but harder to achieve at home. So you will need to further reduce calories and come up with creative ways to move around throughout the day. Going low carb, if you want to, might be a method that you could do, you could use to do that, but it doesn't have to be the method. Keeping, uh, continue to supplement with inositol. Hopefully you are still doing that and keep moving every day. Do exercise at least three times a week. In terms of specific food choices that make it easier to create a deficit, um, here are some suggestions. So making meals boring can be really helpful sometimes, especially if you found yourself in a place where you are overeating and it is really easy to do so. Um, Spending a few days or maybe a week or two just eating plain food will make quite a big difference because it's hard to overeat plain food. So no spices, no sauces, no fun stuff. You'll stop when you're full because that thing in your brain that gets flooded with the dopamine from eating the fun stuff that tells your brain to just keep going, it's not going to be flooded. You won't be so excited that you can't stop. This is obviously a really boring thing and not a way to live forever, but it can be a useful tool in getting you thinking about food more and bringing your calories down to get that two weeks of deficit to start reaping the benefits in terms of improved symptoms. Other things that you can try, um, eating an apple 30 minutes before a meal has been shown to increase satiety and then reduce subsequent calorie intake. I actually did a post about this today or yesterday at some point. You can go and have a look at um, my Instagram if you want. I talk about the study that found these results. My personal uh, add to that would be sometimes eating half a bag of baby spinach before or with a meal can be really helpful in terms of reducing total intake because the increase in fibre and the increase in volume increases satiety and then there's less space for the more calorific stuff. Something else to bear in mind is generally being more mindful can have a huge impact in total intake. There are a few resources on mindful meals and hunger scales in the file section of the app. Go and take a look at those and download the hunger and fullness scale file. Practice checking in with yourself before, during and after meals. The more aware you are of your time eating, the easier it is to control your intake. It's about paying more attention. Hopefully that was helpful. I have one more question for you today. So Nadia asked how we can replicate barbell hip thrusts at home and how we can maintain all of the glute gains. I'm going to add to that maintaining muscle mass at home generally because this is something a few of you have asked me even though it wasn't actually in your check-in. So I'm just going to cover it here. Let's start with muscle mass. So muscle mass is much easier to maintain than it is to build. 
In fact, I saw one study that found muscle could be maintained with just one nineteenth of the work that it took to build. That means you can definitely maintain your muscle mass at home, even if all you have is some bands and a couple of kettlebells, even if you were lifting 100 kilos in the gym. You just need to be smarter about it. The barbell made it easy, super easy. You could just do sets of five or six, hard reps, and then move on. Now you need to do more. You need to be a bit more creative. Now, lucky for you, I've done a lot of the creative bits for you already. So you can have a look at all the videos that I've been posting and at your program. But if you take some ownership of that creativity, it will be more fun for you also. So then you'll hopefully get even more out of training at home because it becomes a bit of a game. So the rules are you have to get close to or hit failure technical failure though there's there's no point bashing out shit reps do them well now is a really perfect opportunity to get better at all of the shapes no ego lifting getting in the way it can't be heavier so it may as well be better so rule one do enough reps to reach technical failure if you want to maintain your muscle mass you need to challenge it and you can do that with just your body or with your bands or with a little kettlebell And how you do it and how strong you are is going to determine how many reps you end up having to do. You're probably going to have to do more reps than you would like. Many, many reps in some cases. If you were doing sets of eight in the gym and now you're doing the same sets of eight but with only 20% of the weight, those eight reps aren't going to be doing enough. So firstly, do more reps. Secondly, we need to make it harder. In your program, I've introduced a lot of single leg variations and skill work. Upper body is going to be easy. You can probably not do 100 non-stop push-ups. Not yet, anyway. But you could easily do 100 non-stop squats. Your legs are strong. They carry you around all day. So things like pistol squats, shrimp squats, modified pistols, step-ups, split squats, front or rear foot elevated variations, Cossack squats, cycle squats, all of these knee bends that are going to be more challenging. There are a few people out there, there are few people out there who can do reps of pistol squats and not find it really hard because it's really hard. And this will be how you make your squats more difficult. And when it comes to maintaining glute growth and also building glutes, your range matters. If you can squat to full depth, your glutes aren't going anywhere, even if No, nothing. If you can squat to full depth and you make it hard enough, then your glutes are going to be fine. If you cannot squat to full depth, now this is the perfect time for you to work on mobility. Again, either doing daily mobility with me, I've posted some mobility videos in the group, or just doing your own thing, but doing doing some every day is going to make a big difference. And in fact, if you can come out of this being able to squat full depth when you couldn't squat full depth before, your glutes are probably going to be bigger than they were when you were in the gym hip thrusting 100 kilos. So, mobility, number two. Number three or actually I don't know what number I'm on, but I'm going to move on to hinging. You can still do your hip thrusts, but you're not going to be able to hip thrust as much, obviously. You don't have a bar at home. You're going to have to use your kettlebell. You're going to have to do more reps because it's not as heavy. You can also add layers of difficulty by adding a half rep into each rep or slowing down or pausing at the top by adding a glute band, by using a B stance or elevating your feet or elevating just one foot. 
you're not going to be able to recreate a deadlift as there's no external force in your house unless you have a barbell set up in a home gym that's going to provide you the same sort of stimulus to your erector spinae. Your back is really fucking strong. But you can still train the shape and do a decent enough job. So I know that Nadia has a 20 kilo kettlebell at home. So you can do your deadlifts with a 20 and just do many, many reps. Or you can do lots of single leg variations with that. Or you can do one hand variations like a suitcase on one side. There are things that you can do that will be similar. So you're training the shape that will do a good enough job to keep you going. Especially in terms of like glute maintenance specifically you'll be fine um you can do b stance rdls single leg rdls you can do single leg hip thrust variations and hamstring marches you can do suitcase carries maybe with an actual suitcase if you decide that your kettlebell isn't heavy enough i've just finished writing the next part of your home program which i will share with you soon so then you can up the ante with your home training it's important to continue eating protein in regular servings protein doesn't just help you build muscle but it helps you maintain it and if you stop eating enough protein you'll be more likely to lose muscle mass whether you're exercising or not although if you stop exercising you're definitely going to lose muscle mass you don't need to do as much to maintain but you do want to make sure that you're hitting all of the muscles and all of the shapes a few times each week You're going to need to do more reps and sets at home than you would probably have done in the gym because the weights are going to be easier. But you also want to play with new shapes. So things like the L-sits and the frog stands and the pike pulls. Stuff that's quite fun and that you can actually get better at. This is going to be really important in terms of mental health as well. Feeling like you're still making progress because you can still make progress. It's just going to look different at home. I've been uploading videos in the group and on my Instagram of different ways to adapt movements for home and if you have any specific requests let me know and I'll see if I can come up with something. I hope you all have a wonderful day, hopefully those answers were helpful for you and I will speak to you all soon.